Hi, babe. Hello, dear. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Mayfair Witchcast. Today, we're finishing up part four, The Devil's Bride. The final countdown. Yeah. And then after this, all that's left is the epilogue. Which means what? Um, A summary of said book? Yes. Do you not know what epilogue means? Uh, no. I feel like this could be an educational moment for you. Google epilogue. I do not want to Google epilogue. <laughs> Tim Googles epilogue. Because I don't know the exact definition. Oxford Dictionary. A section or speech at the end of a book or play that serves as a comment on or a conclusion to what has happened. Afterward. Postscript. Mm-hmm. P.S. Similar. That yep. is an epilogue. So, yeah, that's today, chapter 51, chapter 52. But first, babe, what happened last time? She, like, got rid of Michael somehow. She stabbed him with a needle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically kidnapped his ass. Mm -hmm. Sent him away. Mm -hmm. She's about to do some freaky deaky shit. She's a witch. She put Michael under a spell. Just like Charlotte did to Peter. That's where we left off. So. Chapter 51. Starts. Only the tree was lighted. And the whole house slumbered in warm darkness. Except for that soft wreath of light. The cold tapped at the glass but couldn't come inside. Familiar feeling. (laughs) Except it comes inside. Well, it does. It does come inside. I don't under... They've got brand new windows, babe. They just remodeled this whole house. It's still very cold here where we're at, listeners. We're also still buried under lots of snow. We'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Rowan's chilling. It's midnight. Christmas Eve. She does some... Remembering about jabbing Michael with a needle. Feels bad about that. Sort of. (laughs) She doesn't really have any emotions about it. It's weird. And then as she's sitting there by herself, um, a darkness starts to gather and thicken. And Lasher begins to speak. He says, we are close to the hour, my beloved, to the time of my choosing. She's all like, oh, but you just like have a poet's soul. Like, these are just words. (laughs) (laughs) And he responds with, no, I, my poetry I have learned from humans. Who for thousands of years have loved this night of all nights. She says, and now you mean to teach me science? For I don't know how to bring you across. And he's like, you don't have to. Haven't you always understood? She doesn't answer. The darkness grows denser, collects itself. She thinks she sees, like, the outline of, like, human bones and then, like, flesh over them. And then she can see his brilliant green eyes looking at her. He says, the time is almost at hand, Rowan. She's amazed that she can, like, see... His lips moving and like a glimmer of teeth behind them. And she's like, it's, it's nearly perfect. And she touches his face and she listens to his heartbeat. She can like see the organs inside him. Or is it just a replica of an organ? 
she closes her eyes and envisions like arteries and valves and how the blood rushes through them. All you need to do is surrender. Let go, she says. Don't you see? You, you've done it. And he's like, have I, though? You think this is a body? This is a replica. It's a sculpture, a statue. It's nothing and you know it. You think you can lure me into the shell of a minuscule, lifeless particle so you can have me at your command? A robot? So that you can destroy me? She's like, what are you saying? I can't help you. I don't know what you want. He asks, where are you going? You think you can flee? Look at the face on the clock, my beautiful Rowan. You know what I want. It's Christmas Eve, my darling. And the witching hour is at hand, Rowan, when Christ was born into this world, when the word was finally made flesh. Word is capitalized. Like God would be. <laughs> and I would be born too, my beautiful witch. I am done with waiting. Lasher lunges forward, puts his right hand on her shoulder, the other on her belly. She feels warmth. It makes her sick. She yells, get away from me. I can't do it. You can't make me do it. I won't do it. And you can't do it without me. And he's like, you know what I want. What I've always wanted. No more shells. No more coarse illusions. I want to be the living flesh inside you. What other flesh in all the world is ready for me? He's like, what else? What other organism could I ever take over? It's in the beginning. It's ready now. I can merge with it. She's like, get away from me. Get away from my child. You're stupid and crazy. And you won't touch my child. You won't touch me. She's trembling in anger. And she realizes that um, her feet are wet and slipping on the floor as she's trying to back away. And he's all, did you think you could trick me, Rowan? His image still holding there, like with your little performance before Aaron and Michael. Did you think I couldn't see into the depths of your soul? He says, I made your soul. I chose the genes that went into you. I chose your parents. I chose your ancestors. I bred you, Rowan. And he goes on to say that she's always known what he's wanted. That he's waited for her. That he loved her. It's the greatest gift to bestow on her. Himself. You will help me. Or that tiny simmering child will die when I go into it. And that you will never allow. She's all... God help me. She fixes her eyes on him and she thinks, die, you son of a bitch. Die. <laughs> the hands on the clock click as they shift and the first chime comes of the hour. And last year's all like, Christ is born, Rowan. And his image dissolves into a cloud of darkness, turning in on itself like a funnel. She screams. A shock runs through the house like an earthquake. She's all like, no, God, no. She's in a panic, screaming. She goes for the front door. She's like, God, help me, Michael, Aaron. Somebody's got to hear her. The rumbling gets louder. She can feel his hands on her. She is thrown forward against the door. She falls down to her knees. This darkness is still rising all around her. She's like, no, not my child. I'll destroy you. She's like desperate and angry and she's willing to die. He wraps his arms around her and drags her down to the floor where she hits her head. She's wrenched forward. She's struggling to get up, arms flailing. She's doubled over. Yelling, damn you, damn you to hell, Lasher, die. Die like that old woman, die. 
And he's just like, yes, Rowan, your child and Michael's child. Her head gets slammed back again. Her arms are pinned down. And he's like, you, my mother and Michael, my father. It is the witching hour, Rowan. The clock is striking. I will be flesh. I will be born. The darkness comes up again, coils in upon itself, shoots downwards into her. Are you with me? Yeah. Take over the fucking baby. Yep. Her body convulses in pain. There's like an unbearable heat. There's a lot of blood and watery substance. She's yelling like, you've killed it. You evil thing. You killed my baby. Damn you. God help me. She's, the heat is sickening. She's like gasping for breath. It's like the house is burning. She thinks she sees flames rising around her. There's like a blast of red light. Her body, all of a sudden she knows her body is empty and her baby is gone. She again desperately goes for the front door. She's all, Michael, Michael, help me. I tried to trick it. I tried to kill it. And it got our child. She gets another shock of pain. There's more blood. <sighs> Sobbing and dizzy. She sinks down. She can't move her arms and her legs. It's very hot. And a great raw crying fills her ears. A baby's crying. That same awful sound she's been hearing over and over again in her dreams. She like tries to cover her ears. And she's just like, let me die. Take me to hell. And then in italics, it's written in italics, and I'm, I take this to her as she hears in her mind, Rowan, help me. I am in the flesh. Help me, or I will die. Rowan, you cannot turn your back on me. She's still clasping her ears, but she can't shut out the telepathic voice. And it's like baby sobs. She's tries to get up, but she's like slipping around in the blood. She falls down, her face lands in it. This These baby screams are getting louder and louder. Rowan, help me. I am your child. Michael's child. Rowan, I need you. She knew what she would see even before she looked. Through her tears and through the waves of heat, she saw the mannequin, the monster, and then it's written in italics, not out of my body, not born from me. I didn't. But she did. Uh, yeah. And there it is on its back. It's a man-sized head turning from side to side. It's got thin arms that are getting longer as she watches it. And tiny fingers slaying and groping and growing. And tiny feet kicking like baby's feet. Its calves are stretching. There's blood and mucus sliding off of it. All those millions of cells dividing, merging with his cells like a nuclear explosion going on inside the flesh and blood thing. This mutant thing. This child that had come out of her. She hears again in her mind, Rowan, I am alive. Do not let me die. Do not let me die, Rowan. Yours is the power of saving life, and I live. Help me. She struggles to go towards it, even though she's in pain. She puts her hand out and touches its leg, and, and darkness comes down again all around her. Her eyes close, and she sees the anatomy of this thing and guides the path of the cells making tissue and the lungs and the liver and the DNAs merging. And she feels this thing's flesh like throb under her fingers. It is living. It is breathing. Its cries grow deeper. She's going like out of consciousness and she puts her other hand out and grabs his forehead and she can feel his hair and his eyes are fluttering open and closed. And he's got, like, long arms now, and they're muscular. And, yes, this thing's so big now that she could lay her head on its pumping chest. So she, like, listens to its heartbeat and watches its breath rise and fall. 
and eventually she sinks down into the blackness into a quiet and there's a voice talking to her telling her to stop the blood but she can't answer and the voice is saying you're bleeding stop the blood and she says i don't want to live surely the house is on fire and she's like come on old woman with your lamp light up all the drapes She's referring to Carlotta wanting to burn it down. Hmm. Then, like, Lamel is talking, and he's all like, I never said it wasn't possible, you know. Embryo is the key to immortality. And then Peter's there. Peter Van Abel, and he says, you can still kill him. He's standing over her, looking down at her. But they're just, like, figments of her imagination, Lasher tells her. She's like, am I dying? And Lasher says, no. Can you hear me? I am laughing, Rowan. I can laugh now. And he does it. And he laughs? It's in the text, yeah. He says, no. He laughed. Such a soft, silky laugh. Can you hear me? I am laughing, Rowan. I can laugh now. Yeah. She's like, just take me to hell. Let me die. <laughs> and he says, no, my darling. My precious, beautiful darling. Stop the bleeding. Then there's a break in the chapter. Any thoughts or feelings on what just happened there? <laughs> a little creepy. It's the worst part of this book. Took the baby over and then fucking yeah. superhuman growed. Yeah. He took her baby and it's superhuman growth. Yeah. Into a man size thing. She's been dreaming about it though. That'll make sense. A little bit. Big head, small body. It, dreamed and dreamed about. It is a horror story. Yeah. It it does do it does do that. <laughs> um. So yeah, more of that when we come back. All right, we're back with the rest of chapter fifty-one. It picks up. The sunlight waked her. She lay on the living room floor on the soft Chinese rug, and her first thought was the house had not burned. The awful heat had not consumed it. Somehow, it had been saved. For a minute, she doesn't understand what she's saying. There is a man sitting beside her, looking down at her. He's got, like, baby skin, but man face. And he looks like her. She's never seen a human being who looked this much like her. But there's differences. Like, his eyes are large and blue. And his hair is black. Like Michael. But he's, like, tall and slender like her. But he's bigger than her. Naturally. She screams. <laughs> Louder, longer, more wildly than she had ever screamed. The night before. In this scream, she's like leaving herself. Leaving everything she'd ever seen and remembered in total horror. His hand comes down, covers her mouth. He pushes her down against the floor. She can't move. There's just pain through her whole body. So she just lays there. She goes limp and silent. He leans over her and he whispers, don't do it. He smiles and he's like, I need you. I love you. And I'm your child. And after a little bit, he takes his hand away. She sits up. Her she her clothes are soaked in blood. There's blood everywhere. You can smell the blood. And she like takes a look at him and his body's like perfect. She's like, well, but what about inside? What about every precise little interlocking part? So she puts her hand on his chest and listens. And like there's a strong, steady heartbeat. She puts her hands on his skull. It's soft like a baby's skull. Able to heal after blows that would kill a man of 25. God, but how long was it going to be that way? He asks if she's in pain. Because she lost so much blood. From... While she just stares at him in silence. And then she says, no, I'm not hurt. 
that I, um, I need things. I'm going to need a microscope. I need to take blood samples. I need to see what the tissues really are now. God, I need all these things. I need fully equipped laboratory. And we've got to leave here. And he's like, yes, nodding his head. That, <laughs> that should be the very next thing that we do. Leave here. Can you stand up? She asks. And he's like, I don't know. She's like, well, you're going to try. She climbs up to her feet, takes his hand, and is like, come on, stand up. Don't think about it. Just do it. That's what differentiates you completely from a newborn. You have the skeleton and musculature of a man. And he's like, okay, I'll try. He looks scared, but also delighted. And he struggles up to his knees and then to his feet. And he tumbles backwards, catching himself. He's like, oh. And he, like, sings out loud, like, I'm walking. I am. I'm walking. And he's got tears in his eyes, like, real tears. And she's like, we have to find some place. Yeah, he's he's a real boy now. He's a real boy. She's like, we have to find someplace safe, someplace completely unknown. He's like, yes, but you see, it's all so new and beautiful. Let me hold you. Let me kiss you. She's like, there isn't time. For a second, she finds herself in the doorway. The keyhole-shaped doorway. Her life passes before her eyes. She's like, but this is a new doorway. She guided him slowly through the door and up the stairs, walking patiently, step by step at his side. That's where chapter 51 ends. Is that how you envisioned Lasher coming through the doorway? No. That's weird. Yeah. Baby snatcher. Also, not very predictable, right? Uh-uh. Not at all. Didn't see that coming? I don't think so. I know the first time I read this, I certainly did not. But in hindsight, all the things, are it seems so obvious. But it's very different the first time you read through it. Um... Listeners, I'd love to know what you think about this outcome. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Were you surprised the first time you read it? Next up, chapter 52. I'm ready. He was trying to wake up, but every time he came near the surface, he went down again. Heavy and drowsy and sinking into soft, feathery covers of the bed. Michael has been violently vomiting. He's been in and out of consciousness and pain. It is currently 12 o'clock, midnight, Christmas Eve. He has no idea what he's been injected with. He hears doctors around him talking. Telling him, go to sleep. Don't worry. Sleep. And they're saying, like, everything else is normal. and Clear liquids. And he thinks, treacherous witch. Everything's destroyed. And he remembers the man smiling at him from above the crib. Of course, it had been the time. That very time. He knew that he had lost her forever. Midnight Mass was over. Nothing will ever be the same now. He hears doctors again, just sleep it off. We're here with you. And he's like, I failed. I didn't stop him. I lost her forever. There's a break in the chapter. He probably did. Hmm. Or there's going to be one creepy family. Hmm. <laughs> it picks up again with Michael awake. And he's like, how long have I been here? Since yesterday morning. It is now Christmas morning. It's not snowing anymore. He's got a headache. His vision's a little bit blurry. But it's nothing worse than a hangover. And they're trying to tell Michael to wait. Let them call Aaron. But he's like, nah, I'm ready. I gotta get up. I gotta go. He gets up. He gets showered and shaved. And by the time he comes out of the bathroom, Aaron is there. (laughs) He's like, I gotta go back there. I gotta find out what went down. Aaron's like, I'm begging you to wait, eat some food, see how you feel. And he, 
Michael's like, it doesn't matter. Can you get me a car? Or else I'll hitchhike. It's like, look, thanks. Thanks for taking care of me. But, like, what do you want me to do? Aaron's like, you don't have any idea what you'll find. Last night she told me that if I cared about you, to see that you didn't come back. Michael's all like, to hell with that, I'm going. Aaron's like, then I'm going too. Michael's like, no, you stay. <laughs> this is between me and her. Get me a car now. I'm leaving. And then there's a, a dot, dot, dot break in the chapter. I think that's a good place for us to pause. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Well, there's breaks in the chapters with spaces, and then there's, like, major breaks. With a dot, dot, dot. And I don't know the terminology. I'm sure I should. And I did learn it at some point. But that's information that's left my brain. Dot, dot, dot. So, so Michael's awake. He wants to go back. We'll come back with the rest of this chapter. We're back with the rest of chapter 52. It was a big, bulky, gray Lincoln town car. Hardly his choice, though the soft leather seat felt good. And the thing really cruised when he finally reached the interstate highway. Because that's important right now. Yes. Comfort. Luxuries. Yep. Aaron's following him in the limo behind. But there's no sight of him now. Michael's past one car after another. He still has a headache. He's dizzy. He's nauseous. But he's just shaking it off. And keeps his foot on the gas pedal. Going 90. Into New Orleans. Five minutes later, he's turning onto First Street. The car skids around the corner, dangerously. <laughs> and then he sees the house. The gate is open. He goes up, he puts his key into the front door and lets himself in. The first thing he sees, smears and streaks of blood. There's a bloody handprint on the door frame. Something that looks like soot all over the walls. It smells gross. There's tracks of bare feet in the blood all over the carpet. Some other, quote, viscous musk-like substance smeared on the boards. Christmas trees. Lights are still on. His head is exploding. His heart is pounding. He turns around, goes out of the parlor, into the hall, heads towards the dining room. Then, without a sound... A figure steps into the high keyhole doorway, peering at him. Michael stops, studies it, straining to understand what he is seeing. Little father. Yeah, this is a man. <laughs> it's wearing like loose pants and a shirt, but Michael's never seen a man like him. He's very tall, maybe six feet two inches, and he's very disproportionately slender his pants are too big and they're like cinched tight at the waist and the shirt is fucking michael's shirt it just hangs over him like a tunic it's very loose on him he's got rich black curly hair and large blue eyes but otherwise he resembles rowan and it's like he's looking at a male twin of rowan but with, like, smooth skin. But it's Rowan's face. Rowan's cheekbones. Rowan's mouth. It's Rowan. It's her slender, cold smile. This man takes a step towards Michael. Very unsteady on his feet. And Michael realizes what it is. Contradicting reason and experience. But perfectly obvious in a hideous sort of way. That the thing looked newborn. Baby smooth. Faces no stamp of character whatsoever. But the expression on its face is filled with wonder and seeming love and a terrible mockery. What does Michael do? He fucking lunges at the thing. Catches it by surprise. <laughs> 
Die, baby, die! Is he... He holds its thin, powerful arms in its hands. It's astonished and horrified, and Lasher starts laughing. Breaks out in laughter. <laughs> then written in italics, so I gather that Michael hears this in his mind. Lasher. Alive before, alive again. Back into the flesh, defeating you. Your child, your genes, your flesh and her flesh. Love you, defeated you, used you. Thank you, my chosen father. So, Michael, now in a blind rage, obviously, unable to move, as it this thing is struggling to free itself, it does suddenly pull loose. Michael lets out a, like a low shuddering roar. You killed my child, Rowan. You gave him our child. It is guttural. He is in anguish. This chapter is written from Michael's point of view, so it, Lasher is not really referred to as Lasher. It's referred to as the creature or it from this point forward, from when Michael sees it. The creature dashes away, crashing awkwardly against walls, throwing up its hands and laughing as it runs away, slamming Michael in the chest very easily, throwing him over the dining room table. I am your child, father. Step back. Look at me. Michael scrambles back to get back to his feet. He's like, look at you. I will kill you. He again goes after this creature. But it darts back into the pantry, again, laughing, dancing around, full of mad and uncaring delight. Oh, come on, Michael. Don't you want to know your own child? You can't kill me. You can't kill your own flesh and blood. I have your genes in me. Michael, I am you. I am Rowan. I am your son. Again, Michael lunges and hurls it back against the French doors. This causes the house alarm system to start going off. And now it is just pure mayhem. Michael's hands are around this thing's throat. It is slamming its fists into Michael's face. Punching him in the jaw. Michael's feet go out from underneath of him. He rolls over. Doors open. Alarms blaring. This creature is running around, dancing, frolicking. With a hideous grace towards the pool, he goes after it. And as he does, he sees Rowan coming out of the corner of his eye. He hears her screaming, Michael, you stay away from him. And he's all like, you did that? You gave him our child? He's in our child? Arms raised, but he can't hit her. He freezes, stares at her. It's very, he feels helpless. He feels that pain in his chest again. He turns and he glares at that thing who is skipping back and forth on the snow-covered flagstones beside the pool, pitching its head forward and placing its hands over its knees and then pointing to Michael. Its voice, loud and distinct, rose over the shrilling of the alarm. You'll get over it, as mortals say. You'll see the light. As mortals say, you've created quite a child, Michael. Michael, I am your handiwork. I love you. I have always loved you. Love has been the definition of my ambitions. They are one and the same with me. I present myself to you in love. Of course, what does Michael do? He goes straight for this thing. <laughs> sliding on the snow... Rowan reaches out to try to stop him. Her hand catches on the St. Michael chain that Aaron just gave him. It breaks. The metal falls into the snow. She's sobbing, begging him to stop. Michael's got no time for that shit. He gives a left hook, bashing into the side of Lasher's head, who just gives out more laughter. Blood is spurting. It trips and then spins around, slipping on the ice. Like, oh, now look what you've done. Oh, you can't imagine how this feels. 
oh, I have lived for this moment, this extraordinary moment. It dives for Michael's arm, twisting it back. It's painful. It smiles. Michael hits it in the chest, feeling the crunch of bones. It's like, yeah, you like it, you evil thing, you greedy son of a bitch, die. Hits him again. Blood squirts out of his Lasher's mouth this time. And he's like, yeah, you're in the flesh. Now die in it. <laughs> Lasher's all like, I'm losing patience with you. While blood's dripping from its mouth. He's like, look what you've done. You angry father. You righteous parent. It jerks Michael forward. Michael's not like, you like it. You like your bleeding flesh. My child's flesh. Again, choking him, jabbing its thumbs into its windpipe. Knee to balls. <laughs> balls. Yeah, so and when he does, when he connects knee to balls, he's like, oh, she made you, like, really complete. Because for some reason he stops to notice that the thing has balls. <laughs> Didn't she? Right down to the outer, outdoor plumbing. And again, in a flash, he sees Rowan. She gets knocked down. The thing is now shrinking in pain. It cries, You're teaching me, father. Oh, yes, you're teaching me well. Hits Michael in the chest with one final blow, hurls him off his feet, out and over the swimming pool. Rowan screams out. Michael crashes into the icy water, sinks down in the deep end. Freezing temperatures takes the breath out of him. He's unable to move. He hits the bottom. His head pokes through the surface. He feels another blow. Sinks again, rising only to be held under. The water is cold. It's happening again. He's drowning again. This cold, cold water. No, not like this. Not again. He tries to close his mouth, but it's there's like so much pain in his chest. And, like, the water starts pouring into his lungs. And then he can feel nothing. He can't sense up from down. And then, in a flash, he sees the Pacific again. Suddenly, his body relaxed. He's not struggling anymore. He's not clawing at anything. In fact, he wasn't in his body at all. He knew this feeling, this weightlessness, this sublime freedom. Only... He's not traveling upwards, not rising and free the way he had been on that long ago day. He's in a tunnel this time and he's being sucked down. It's dark and close and there seems to be no end to this journey. Then there's like a red light surrounding him and he hears those drums, those old familiar Mardi Gras drums. Flicker of flames. It's like everything he's feared. It's happening at last. Then his feet strike the ground and he tries to stand up. He can see branches of the old oak tree. They're going right up through the plaster roof of the parlor. And the chandelier is like tangled up with leaves. There's countless bodies writhing in the dark. He's stepping on them. And then the skirts, those taffia skirts. I don't know if you remember like from his other... When he was, like, touching heads and dolls, he got kept getting surrounded yeah, by skirts. Kinda. The skirts come back, and the cloth brushing him, and he's stumbling, and he tries to get his balance. And then there's a circle of nuns coming, and they're all around him, and he knows them from his childhood. Rosaries rattling. Then Stella steps through the circle. So, and she reaches out for him, and she tugs him towards her. Let him alone. He can climb up on his own, says Julian. There he is, the man himself. His white hair, black eyes, clothes immaculate. Come on, Michael, get up, he says. You're with us now. It's quite finished. Stop fighting at once. Yes, get up, Michael, says Mary Beth, skirt brushing his face. You're with us now, Michael, says Charlotte. She's lifting him as he struggles to get away. His hands went right through her. He's like, stop it. Get away from me. Get away. <laughs> Stella's there, head dripping with blood. Come on, Michael, darling. You're here now to stay. Don't you see? It's finished, darling. 
Job well done. The drums are getting closer and closer. And there's a Dixieland band playing. And then the coffin is there laying open at the end of the room with candles around it. He's like, they're going to catch the drapes on fire and burn this place down. It's all illusions. It's a trick. He, he tries to stand up straight to run. But everywhere he looks, he sees like those nine paned windows and keyhole doorways and oak branches piercing through the ceilings and the walls. And the house is like a great big monster is trapped. All the couches and chairs are overgrown with ivy. Then there's a nun again whose hand like comes down and slaps him in the face. And he feels like this shocking pain. It's, what do you say, boy? Of course you're here. Stand up. Answer me, boy. And again, he's like, get away from me. He shoves at her, but his hands go right through her. Then Julian's standing there, shaking his head. And behind Julian is Cortland with, like, the, a mocking smile on his face. Michael, it should be perfectly obvious to you that you have performed superbly. That you bedded her, brought her back, and got her with child, which is exactly what we wanted you to do. <laughs> says Cortland. Marguerite steps up. We don't want to fight. We're all on the same side, mon cher. Stand up, please. Come to us. The nurse Suzanne is there. She's like, come now, Michael. You're making all this confusion yourself. Yes, you did it, my son. Again, Julian chimes in. Ah, bien. You have been marvelous, both of you. You and Rowan. You have done precisely what you were born to do. Deborah is like, now you can go back through with us. She raises her hand, gestures to the others to step aside. Flames are rising up behind her. Got the emerald. This is the girl in Rembrandt's painting. Like, don't you see? That was the pact. Now that he's gone through, we're all going to go back through. Rowan knows how to bring us back through. The same way she brought him through. No, Michael, don't struggle. You want to be with us. Earthbound. Here. To wait your turn. Otherwise, you'll simply be dead forever. We're all safe now, Michael says a fragile Antha, like a little girl, blood pouring down her face on both sides from the bashed wound on the back of her head. You can't imagine how long we've been waiting. One loses track of time here. Yes, saved, says Marie Claudette. Also, like, Lestan and Maurice are there, standing behind her bed. Charlotte starts talking again. She's like, they burned us out in Saint-Domingue. And the river took our old plantation. But this house will stand forever, says Maurice. Thanks to your fine efforts at restoration, we have this safe, marvelous place in which to wait our turn to become flesh again. Stella's all like, and we're so glad you have. Surely you don't want us to pass up an opportunity like this. He's all like, I don't believe you. Your lies, your figments. Stella does like some weird giggling and running across the room. Drums are getting louder. He's wondering why isn't everything catching on fire? Why doesn't it all burn? The nun comes up again. She raises her hand again to slap him. And it just burns and burns. And he's like, stop it. Let me go. He goes crashing into Julian, but he just falls forward, you know. The nun has him by the collar. She has that St. Michael's medal in her hand. She's like, you dropped this, didn't you? I told you to take care of it, didn't I? And where did I find it? Laying on the ground, that's where I found it. Slaps him in the face again. Struggles to shove her away. Deborah's like, and all you can do now is just be with us. And go back through. Don't you understand? The doorway's open. It's just a matter of time. Lasher and Rowan will bring us through. Suzanne first. And then I'll go. And then... And then Charlotte speaks up, and she's like, No, wait a minute now. I never agreed to this order. <laughs> Neither did I, says Julian. Who said anything about order? Marie Claudette speaks up. Mary Beth is like, Well, you're all being foolish. My God, everything has been fulfilled, and there's no limit to how many times the transmutation can be affected. 
She talks about mutated flesh and its scientific advancement of stunning brilliance. It's all natural, Michael. And to understand that is to understand the essence of the world. That things are, mm, more or less predetermined. Don't you know you were in our hands from the very beginning? Says Cortland. Mary Beth chimes in with, yes, that is the crucial point for you to understand. Cortland explains further. The fire that killed your father? That was no accident. Michael's like, don't say these things. I don't believe it. I don't accept it. And they go on, explaining that it was to position him exactly where he should be, at the desired combination of sophistication and charm, as to command her attention and cause her to let down her guard. The nun's all like, don't bother talking to him. He's all like, this isn't true. This is not what it is. This is not the explanation, not the final meaning. Sister Bridget Marie is there all of a sudden. And she's like, Michael, I warned you. I told you there were witches in those dark streets. Stella's back. And she's like, come here at once. I have some champagne. And stop creating all these hellish images, don't you see? When you're earthbound, you create your own surroundings. Anthony's like, yeah, you're making it so ugly here. Stella's like, yeah, there's no flames here. That's all in your head. Come on, let's dance. <laughs> I've grown to love this music. I do like your drums, your crazy Mardi Gras drums. He's all, I won't believe it. It's all a joke. It's a trick. No, mon cher, says Julian. We are the final answer and the meaning. Mary Beth shakes her head. We always were. He's like, the hell with you. He gets up. He gets to his feet. He twists loose from the nun, finally ducking her next slap, moving through her. And then nuns close in on him. But nothing's going to stop him. He can see the way out. He can see the light pouring in through the keyhole doorway. He's like, I will not. I will not believe. Deborah starts talking to him again, and she's like, think back to the first drowning. It's what we explained to you before. You were dead, that we needed you, and that you did agree. But, of course, we knew you were bargaining for your life, lying to us, you see. And we knew that if we didn't make you forget, you would never, never fulfill. And he's like, lies! Lasher's lies! Getting closer to the door closer to the light, then there's a figure in the doorway, and he knows that helmet, and he knows that garb. They use the word garb. Garb. Yeah. He knows that garb or uniform, and it's very familiar to him, and he cries out, it's coming, but his lips barely move. There's one final little break in the chapter. Up. Suspense. Yeah. Final part. Chapter 52, also the final part of part four, The Devil's Bride. It starts, he was lying on his back. His body was shot through and through with pain, and the frozen silence closed around him. He hears a voice of a man over him saying, that's right, son, breathe. And yeah, he knows that helmet and that mantle because it's a firefighter, and he's lying by the pool and his chest is burning and aching, and there's an oxygen mask on his face. And the man says again, That's it, son. Breathe. Each breath he takes is painful. As he gets lifted up, his eyes close. There's an, I'm, I'm here, Michael. I'm at your side. From Aaron. <laughs> there's an argument. There's talk. And there's he can hear the walkie-talkies in the background and they're taking him out of the gate here's someone say cardiac emergency coming in now and then there's blankets all around him and he hears Aaron's voice again the doors of the ambulance slam closed fists come down on his chest once twice again the alarm is still going or is it sirens singing like that a faraway cry like the cries of those desperate birds in the early morning, crows cawing in the big oaks, 
as if scratching at the rosy sky at the dark, deep, moss-covered silence. And that's where chapter 52 ends. Really? Yeah. Isn't that really supposed to be the end? Well, there's an epilogue. Well, the epilogue is supposed to yeah. summarize, basically. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Does the epilogue have a name? Epilogue. epilogue. It's just That's it. Confusing. It's not even a part. It's just an epilogue. It is two chapters long. Uh, I guess because I don't read books, I don't understand that. Well, sometimes that's the way things end. Michael lived. He lived. Barely. Barely. Rowan birthed a ghost demon? Man. Spiritual being? It's weird. The rest of them were sitting there waiting, huh? Is that real or is that... Yeah, um, that was in Michael's vision. Yeah, how did you feel about that? Makes sense, I suppose. They think they're coming next? Yeah. <laughs> All of them. Oh, yeah. They're just going to keep taking fucking bodies over. Body snatchers. They come through. I like how they started arguing over turns. <laughs> of course. That just... Oh, brilliant. It's the Mayfair way. Mwah. Love it. Body snatcher. And hopefully maybe you'll get a little bit more um, resolve. Closure. Closure with the epilogue. There are two more books in the trilogy. And then there's the story of this family does continue beyond that. Which I will eventually cover all of it. But first, epilogue in the next episode. Listeners, I'd love to know how you feel. About these last two crazy chapters. So please. Let us know. If you have any comments. Questions. Anything you want to say. Even if you just want to reach out and say hi. We would love to hear from you. You can email us. At themayfairwitchcast. At gmail.com You can find us on Instagram. The Mayfair Witchcast. You can find us on Twitter. At Mayfaircast. I'm excited for the next one. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Next episode. Epilogue. And then we'll be done with this book. So until then. Or until next episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Goodbye. Farewell. Mm -hmm.